Well, as we, um, as we move into the message, before we do, um, I've, I've got some good news for you this morning. We have hired a director of technical arts. His name is Nate Henderson. He was actually with us last week, and I meant to introduce him and totally forgot when I got up here. But we have hired um, a young guy named Nate Henderson, and he will be starting tomorrow. And what he'll be doing is he will be working in ministry with us on audiovisual, on the technical side of things, helping us, um, helping us communicate via Uh, media and different things. He's just going to help us in a new way. This is a position that we haven't had here at the church before, um, but but we just believe that in our changing world, our changing culture that's more and more wrapped up in media, not that we should give in to media, but that that's an avenue that we can use to reach out for Christ. And so he starts tomorrow. We are super excited to have him. And so next week, you'll get to meet him. He's not here this morning. He's traveling. But next week, I'm going to make him stand up and embarrass him, and you get to meet him. But I hope you guys have had a good week. Have you all had a good week? Raise your hand if you've had a really good week. Okay, that's, that's a good amount of hands. How many of you are super excited for this next week? Okay, how many of you Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday? Anyone? Okay, wow, that's not as many as I thought. Megan raised two hands. Megan and I were just talking about this last night. Um, Last night we were sitting in the family room and and Sam had been complaining about not feeling well. He'd been telling us his stomach hurt and then all of a sudden his stomach uh, manifested itself all over our living room. And so, um, so Megan was saying, oh man, it's Thanksgiving week. I don't want this week to be ruined by all of us being sick and all of us, and so I'll just warn you, I'm not feeling great this morning. I'll, I'll do my best, but, um, but Megan loves Thanksgiving. Her family, like Thanksgiving is the big holiday. I mean, they get together, we've talked about this before, they, they get together over and over again and they love Thanksgiving. Maybe some of you are there. So maybe some of you this morning would say that you love Thanksgiving because of the food. How many of you? How many of you, your favorite thing about Thanksgiving is the meal? I'm making you raise your hand a lot. I'm getting you involved, waking you up. My, I like Thanksgiving meal too, and, and I'm not talking about the turkey and the dressing. I'm talking about White Castle on the way home <laughs> from the meal. It's always there for me when I need it. And so I love the Thanksgiving White Castle meal. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding, but I, I wish I were. Um, I really love eating White Castle on Thanksgiving evening after we've eaten the meal. How many of you just love spending time with family and friends on Thanksgiving? All right. How many of you just love watching football or having nothing to do? Okay, good. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to love Thanksgiving. Um, and, and so you guys probably know the whole point behind Thanksgiving. You probably know the whole reason that we do it, but it started um, in the early days of our country, and it was a time of celebration and thanksgiving for God's blessings in the harvest, over in, and also in other areas over the preceding year. And so thanksgiving is a time, I'm not telling you anything new here, but thanksgiving is a time where typically we would think about and maybe express the things that we are thankful for to God. And have, you, have any of you ever done the tradition where you go to your Thanksgiving meal and, and you sit around the table and then you take the time to each say what you're thankful for? 
We did that some as I was growing up. I'm not sure how many people still do it, but, but if you think about right now, what are the things that you are thankful to God for? What would those things be? Go ahead, share them. What would those be? Family, Family yes. Family's great. Freedom, health, that you're saved. What else? The church. The church is good. Thank you. That's great. I appreciate that. All these things, yeah, we have so much to be thankful for. In fact, I'm convinced that we have no clue the level of thanksgiving that we should really have. But, I mean, we have all of these blessings. Typically, you'll hear family. We've got great friends. Man, I've got shelter. I've got food, White Castle or, or Turkey or whatever it is that you like. Or, or, you know, I've got these material blessings. A lot of times when we think about thanksgiving... Our mind goes to all of the great things that are happening in our life or all of the great things that we have. Well, we'll come back to this in, in just a minute. But over the past two weeks, we've been talking about strangers in a strange land. And so two weeks ago, we talked about, <clears throat> we, talk, we were in James chapter 2 and we, it was Refugee Sunday. And we talked about the way that we treat others, especially those that are strangers in a strange land. Last week, we, t- we looked back to James 1, and, and we focused on trials and, and things that we go through and how we react to those and how if we will have the right attitude when we go through trials, we can grow and be blessed. Well, today, we're going to follow up on last week. Last week, James chapter 1, he said, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. And that seems weird like we talked about last week, but the truth is that if we will have the right attitude, God can shape us and do great things in our life in the midst of difficulty. But but this week we're coming to Thanksgiving and and we're going to continue in James chapter 1. And and after he talks about trials in James chapter 1, he goes on to talk about temptations. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, And I think what James writes today can really help shape our understanding for this Thanksgiving week. I think this is important for us to hear the week of Thanksgiving. And so here's a question that will be a good starting point for us today. And that's this. Is your thankfulness to God dependent on the circumstances surrounding you? Think about that. Really think about that. Is your level of thankfulness to God dependent on the circumstances that are happening around you? Maybe some of you come in here this morning and you're on cloud nine and everything's perfect and you've got so much to be thankful for. And this week, if you go around the table, you're just going to never stop talking about all the things that you're thankful for. Maybe some of you this morning feel like you don't have a lot to be thankful for, feel like everything is messed up? Are your circumstances what what dictate your thankfulness to God? Does your view of God's blessings on your life revolve around what you're going through in the moment? Last week, I kind of used uh, an example of zooming in, how sometimes we get so caught up in the moment that we can't see anything else outside of that moment. It becomes everything. And we talked about last week that if God would just zoom us back so that we can see the bigger picture, those trials that we go through won't seem like the end of the world. I want to give you an example of this. This is just a moment in my life that I 
I mean, I couldn't get past the moment. It happened about a year ago. We had a party in the gym. I really don't even remember what that party was for. But we were hanging out, and I, um, it, we, it, it was towards the end of the meal. I think people were getting ready to leave. Our, my kids, as usual, were just running around like crazy. I mean, being wild, I'm chasing them around. And Megan was in the gym talking to someone. It was just talking, I don't know what about, but she was talking, and I was at that place, if, you've ever, if you're a parent and you've ever been at this place, you'll understand. I was at this place where I was like, we need to get out of here. I'm tired of chasing these kids. It's time to go. And so I walked in, and Megan was standing, I don't know, maybe like 50 feet away from me, and I, I really didn't mean to come off the way I came off, but I said, Megan, it's time to go. But right when I said it, like it came out a little louder than I meant it to, and everyone got quiet, and I was like, oh man, I just, <laughs> it sounded like I was yelling at her, like I'm some kind of like, like demanding husband, like Megan, it's time to go, quit talking, let's go. That's, that's not what I meant to do. But man, in that moment, I felt like, I felt like the biggest, I, I sat there and I thought, everyone's gonna think I'm terrible. Everyone's gonna think that I hate my wife or that, that I have no patience. Everyone's gonna think that I'm a really bad person. I didn't mean that. And I couldn't get past that little mess up, that little moment. That's what we're talking about when we talk about that zoomed in. Sometimes our circumstances are all that we can see. But if we would zoom out, if God could show us the bigger picture, I haven't even thought about that moment until this week. It's been a long time. It, it was okay. I don't think any of you, did any of you notice that and thought he's a terrible person? Tell me afterwards. Don't raise your head. Tell me afterwards. <laughs> Just so I know whether it, it was real or not. But, but I mean, I was so caught up in that moment. And sometimes I think that we get so caught up in the moment that we think our circumstances are what should determine whether God loves us and is with us, or whether God's turned on us. We talked about this last week, but it's easy when things go bad to start saying things like this, why God, oh woe is me, what did I do to make you mad, why are you doing this? And when things are great, it's like, oh God loves me, God is good all the time, all the time God is good, but why, why God, why are you letting this happen to me? It's easy for us to start thinking that the circumstances in our lives are really about whether God loves us, whether God's blessing us or not. I think we're all guilty of this to some degree, aren't we? And we aren't alone. If you read through scripture, that sort of mentality is, is voiced over and over again, whether you're reading the Psalms and the psalmists are saying, God, why have you turned on me? Why do you hate me? What happened? Or whether we're talking about the Israelites wandering the desert after God has just done miraculous things and they're wandering the desert and things get difficult and they start saying, oh, we were better off back there. Why, God, why have you deserted us? We tend to get this mentality that our circumstances should dictate or, or that our circumstances are dictated by God's level of happiness or love for us. 
Well, this takes us back to verse five, five and six in chapter one that we talked about last week. And it's a picture that James paints of the way that we are when we waver back and forth, when we don't have the faith to zoom out and see the bigger picture. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, being blown and tossed by the wind. Do you ever feel like a wave of the sea that's blown back and forth? Do you ever feel like you just, oh, woe is me, God is good. Woe is me, God is good. Do you ever feel like a wave that's tossed back and forth, like your circumstances are dictating your thankfulness? It's easy for it to happen. It's easy to forget what God has done for us. This was actually a really common view in, in the first century that James was writing into. In fact, in their society, they believed that God's love for you or the level of blessings had to do with how much God favored you. So if you were rich and everything was good, people in that society would say that, man, God really loves that person because they're taken care of. They've got beyond what they need. But if you were poor and you were going through really hard times, they believed that that was because God had turned, because you were evil, because you were messed up, and God was not blessing you. And so James writes this, this letter into the culture that, is, that their view of God is totally built around the circumstances that they were going to. They believe their level of success or material wealth was indicative of their standing with, with God. But today... James is confronting that, not just for first century, but for us. Because if you're anything like me, you've been there. You've experienced this. You felt like a wave that was blown back and forth. James is, is, is answering this and correcting this false view. And so we'll pick it up in verse 12. Verse 12, this is the end of what we talked about last week. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let me, let me read the beginning of that again. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Do you know what you didn't hear me say right there? Blessed is the one who has no problems. Blessed is anybody that doesn't have trials. Because as we talked about last week, we all will experience hardship and trials. Blessed is the one that experiences those has the right attitude, and perseveres because they will have the crown of life. You know what else you didn't hear? Blessed is the one who's rich, who has everything they've ever wanted. That's not what James says. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. This is where we were last week. If you are going through a difficult time and you will have the right attitude and you will submit to God and you will persevere through it, you will have life to the fullest. But James doesn't stop there. Up to this point, James has mostly talked about our reaction to hardship. He's talked about our place in all this. And at this point, James is going to shift the focus to God's place in all this. And so in verse 13, he says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. 
But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so James, after talking about trials, saying, you, if you will stand tall, if you will persevere through the trials, you will receive the crown of life, you will receive life to the fullest. James next says, God is not tempting you. See, if you believe that your circumstances are, are indicative of the way God feels about you and you go through a hard time, it would be really easy to jump to that next step and say, God has turned on me. God is tempting me. God, God has done this to me. Why, God, why are, you, why are you against me? And I believe that if we get to that place, we're in bad shape. If we have the view that God blesses us when things are good, but turns on us when things are bad, it's easy for us to fall into sin, as James talks about. I see three ways we get ourselves in trouble. Number one, when we experience trials, it's easy for us to withdraw. When, when something happens, when, when I said that to Megan in the gym and I thought, oh, I mean, I just wanted to crawl back into a shell. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. When you experience troubles in your life, one of, our, um, one of our reactions that we commonly do is that we withdraw. Maybe it's because we feel like we're unworthy because we feel like we're unloved. If you believe that God has abandoned you, maybe, maybe you just withdraw. That's a scary place to be. Because then you don't have the right attitude, you don't have the right framework, you don't have the support that you need. And so one way that we do it is we withdraw. Number two, we can rebel. How many of you remember being a teenager and rebelling a little bit? And maybe you went through something, and, and if we feel that God is working against us or, or God has turned on us, maybe that rebellious nature comes out, and it's like, well, if you're going to do this, God, then I am going to do this. When I, when I was in high school, I, 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 was, I consider myself that I, I was a pretty good kid. I don't know if that's true or not, but occasionally my parents would get mad at me over something or would punish me for something, and and my reaction was to rebel. Every once in a while, I'll, uh, I'll play with the kids and they'll come in like if I'm laying on the bed, like last night um, I was laying in there and I was working on some stuff and the kids came in and Jack especially will come in and he'll wanna crawl up and so he gets up and then all of a sudden Charlie and Sam and Eli will come in and every once in a while we'll be sitting there and we'll be wrestling around on the bed. They like to be pushed over, they like to be thrown around. And I try to tell them, when, when we're wrestling around on the bed, I try to tell them, stay away from the edge. Don't wrestle by the edge of the bed, because what happens when you wrestle by the edge of the bed? You fall off. Every single day, they fall off the bed. It happens all the time. Now, I could say, there's no wrestling on the bed, there's none of that stuff. I could say that, and that would keep that clear, but they're gonna get hurt anyway. They're gonna fall off something, they always do. But I just try to warn them. I say, stay away from the edge of the bed. And most of the time, they don't listen to me. And then they're wrestling, and sure enough, somebody takes a tumble off the bed and falls on their head or something else, and they're crying. And a lot of times, their reaction is anger towards me. 
like I pushed them off the bed, like, like I caused them to fall off the bed. I think that's how we are with God sometimes, that when we're going through a tough time, we think, God, why are you doing this to me? Why'd you do this? And we get angry and rebel. And a lot of times when my kids get mad at me over something like that, it leads to them getting in actual trouble. And so sometimes we withdraw, but sometimes we rebel. The third thing that, that I think we do is, is we try to take matters into our own hands. If we feel like God has withdrawn from us, if we feel like we're, that, that God has left us, then we think we have to handle our problems. And so you've all had this happen, I know you have, where somebody says something to you that's hurtful or that you think is hurtful, and you trust God and you love God and you know you, that you should be nice to them and you know you should handle it the right way, but you feel like you gotta handle it your way, don't you? I gotta get that word in. I, I, gotta, I gotta respond to it. I gotta turn around and push back. Sometimes we withdraw, sometimes we rebel, but sometimes we just think that we have to solve things on our own. And oftentimes that gets us into trouble because we're not trusting God. And so if you are going through a difficult time, what James says is, don't think that it's God tempting you. It's not God trying to hurt you. Understand, he goes on and says, understand that temptation solely comes from your evil desires. At this point, James moves into an analogy of birth to show us how our own selfish desires lead us astray. And he says, you have no one to blame but yourself. If you're playing on the edge of the bed and you've been warned and you keep playing there, you have no one to blame but yourself. It's not, it's not dad's fault. It's not God's fault if you turn to sin. It's not God's fault if you're going through trials and you handle them the wrong way. That's your fault. And so he goes on and he says that sin, let, let's go back and, and <clears throat> read it. It's in verse 14, he says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Have you ever felt like your own evil desires are dragging you away? Maybe, maybe it's thinking thoughts that you know you shouldn't think. Maybe it's that situation I was just talking about where someone did something or said something to you that was hurtful and you can literally feel your mind being dragged away to this place of anger and bitterness. Have you ever felt that? That your evil desires were dragging you away from where you need to be? James says each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their evil desires. A lot of times we know the right thing to do. But we give these evil desires, these thoughts, this, it starts to drag us away and we give it more and more time and power. And James says that if you continue to do that, once desire has gotten the best of you or conceived, it gives birth to, birth to sin. If we are not careful in our trials, in our temptations, in our struggles, if we are not careful and do not keep a tight lid on our evil desires, if we allow them to drag us off, they will lead us to sin. And then James says, and sin, when it happens, when we sin, we experience death. We experience chaos. We experience separation from God our lives become a mess. When you experience temptation, 
Don't let your evil desires lead you to a place of chaos and death. And so James has just gotten through talking about when you go through difficult times, you need to persevere. And now he's saying, don't blame God. Don't let your, don't let, don't let your view of God be determined by these trials. He says, but understand that when you are tempted, when you struggle, when you go astray, it's because of your own evil desires that you've given power to. So when you experience temptation, and you all will experience temptation, when you experience trials, don't let your evil desires lead you to a place of chaos and death. If you will give power to those evil thoughts, if you allow those thoughts to continue to go, I promise you, it's gonna lead you to a place of chaos and death and pain. And so don't let those evil desires drag you away. This, um, <clears throat> this is something that is very normal for us, but, but it's not God's desire for us to be in pain. It's not God's desire for us to struggle with thing, these things. What James is saying is when you struggle, it's not God's fault. It's because you have let that happen. It's not what God wants. It's not God's desire for you to mess up. God is not taking vengeance out on you if you're having a hard time. God has not turned against you. If you're going through a tough time today, don't let it lead you away from God, from the God that loves you. Instead, James goes on to, to talk about God's heart in the matter, and in verse 16, he says this, "'Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters.'" Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a, a kind of first fruits of all he created. And so listen to God's heart on this. We talked about where we can be, that it's not God that's tempting us, but it's our evil desires. Now listen to God's heart on this. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, from God, from the Father, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth. Remember, we just used the analogy of birth, that our evil desires can birth sin and death in our lives. And now James says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he's created. Here's some good news for you this Thanksgiving week. God loves you. I want you to understand this today. I don't care what you walked into the sanctuary experiencing. I don't care what the circumstances around you are. I want you to know that God loves you. And God wants you to be at a place of harmony and peace. God is not this this big bad father that pushes you off the bed. God's not trying to hurt you. That's not what God wants. God wants wholeness and peace and life in your life because God loves you. God wants you to have life to the fullest. Verse 17 says that God does not change like the shifting shadows. Remember earlier the wave being tossed back and forth? That's not God. God doesn't change like that. God's character is the same all along. And God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Do you see what James is saying here? 
God paid a huge price for you to have life. Not, not the kind of thing, it wasn't just like this, yeah, you can give him life. He paid a huge price. God chose to give you life. And God doesn't change like shifting shadows. God loves you today as much as God loved you when God decided to, to pay that price for you, to give his son on the cross for you. And so if your mind is going to this place of, woe is me, God, why have you turned on me? God has not turned on you. God loves you. God does not change like the shifting shadows. If God wanted to hurt us, all he had to do was not send his son to die on a cross. But he sent Jesus to pay that ultimate price so that we can have life. John 3.16, you guys all know this probably by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you're perishing today, it's because of your evil desires. It's not because that's what God wants for you. God wants you to have life to the fullest. And God hasn't changed. God still loves you. It's God's will that if you're going through trials right now, that you would grow and that you would experience him more closely, that you would grow and become more Christ-like. It's God's will that you would persevere through the difficulties. It's not God's will to give you difficulties so that you mess up. It's God's will that you will grow and have life to the fullest. God chose to give us life. And the only thing that will take that life away from us is our evil desires that give birth to sin that leads to death and destruction. And so this brings us back to Thanksgiving. Here we are this week. And I know we've come a long way here, but here we are this week, a week that we should be thankful, a week that we express and think about what we should be thankful to God for. And regardless of what you're going through, I want you to understand that you have more than enough to be thankful for today. I don't care if all of your life seems like it's falling apart. I've got good news for you. The God that created all of this loves you and wants you to have life today. Even in the midst of difficulty, God wants to give you life. God isn't sitting there trying to hurt you, God wants to help you and give you life. Maybe some of you this morning have come in and you're hurting. Today, you can be thankful that you serve a God that's hurting with you. A God that when you go through struggles, God is walking with you every step of the way. And God wants to use that to bless you and give you peace and give you life. Maybe some of you here this morning are just at a place where things are good and you're thinking, a lot, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got, you know, job and church and family. And listen, we should be thankful for those things. Those are great things. But more than anything else, I want you to know and be thankful for a God that loves you and wants to give you life and peace. This morning, this week, as you think about your thankfulness to God, I want you to think about how much God loves you. God has not changed. God does not go back and forth like the shifting shadows or the waves. God 
loves you and God paid the ultimate price for you to have life to the fullest. The band's gonna come and we're gonna pray. And this week, I want you to think about God's love for you. When you sit there and eat that meal, whether it's turkey or whether it's White Castle, when you're watching football, when you're hanging out with family, I want you to think about the fact that God loves you and wants you to have life. Father, we come before you and I thank you um, for all of the good things that you've given us. I thank you that we have the freedom to be here. I thank you that we can worship together. We are thankful for all of those things. I'm thankful for a wonderful family. I'm thankful for wonderful kids and I'm thankful for a wonderful church. But Father, don't let my thankfulness to you be dependent on the circumstances in my life. Don't let me only be thankful when things are good and when I have what I want, but help me to understand that you love me no matter what's going on around me, that even if things are totally messed up, you're with me and you want me to have life to the fullest. We love you, Jesus. Amen.